0: Luke, come and share with us. Let me pray for you as you bring the word of God this morning. Father God, thank you for all that we have celebrated this morning in our worship. And I pray as Luke opens your word to us, that our hearts and our minds and our ears will be open to what your word has to say this morning. Speak through him, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zoe. Uh, Good morning, church. It's good to see you. This morning feels like a long time since I've uh, I've actually preached since the last time I preached Portsmouth Football Club have gone top of the league. So it's all good this morning. But it's good to see you, and we're kind of come round to the Word of God and open it up together this morning. You may know that if you've been here over the past few months, we've had a number of dedications that we have celebrated. And every time we've celebrated a dedication together, we have opened up a mini-series which we have called Like a Child. We read these words in Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus so he could place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took them in his arms and he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. If you've been following along with us over the past few months, have we opened up this series together, you will know that we have been looking at some of the attributes of God through the eyes of a child. Jesus calls us to have a childlike faith. He doesn't call us to be childish, but he calls us to see him through a child's eyes because let's face it, the way a child views the world so often is often so if you tell a child something, they'll believe it. If you lead a child somewhere, they will follow you and trust you. If you ask a child a question, they will often give you a brilliantly imaginative answer to that question you ask. But somewhere along the line, life knocks those childlike qualities out of us. We can become hard, we can become cynical, and we can become untrusting. So the call today for each and every one of us here in this room, wherever you are at with God at the moment, is just to take a moment this morning and once again look at God through the eyes of a child. Over the past few weeks we've looked together at the goodness of God. A child might put it like this, my God is for me. We've looked at the presence of God, a child might put it like this, my God is with me. We've looked at the grace of God. The child might put it like this, my God forgives me. And today, I want us to spend a few brief minutes together focusing on the power of God. A child might put it like this, my God can do anything. And to help us, focus on this particular idea this morning, we are going to look at the ideal account from Scripture for this time of year. When we've just experienced a heat wave together, when we have just experienced an incredibly hot summer, what better passage to look at in Scripture than the Christmas story? Because, let's face it, church today, there is only 119 days to go until Christmas Day. And over the course of the next couple of weeks here at Hope, we're going to begin to ramp up our preparations for Christmas. The Gift of Hope team will be meeting shortly to discuss how we're going to distribute 300 hampers again this year. We're going to start planning for Christmas services and Christmas outreach together and this morning, as we look at this particular account, just very briefly, I want us to come to it as maybe the first time that you've ever heard this account read. Maybe for some people here or watching online, it is the first time you have heard it. But Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 27, uh, 26, we read this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city called Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man who was called Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, "'Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of the kingdom there will be no end.'" And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your words. And the angel departed from her. So you've got this girl who's pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. She is a virgin and all of a sudden one day, the angel Gabriel appears to her and says, hey, Mary, guess what? You're gonna be a mum." And you're not going to be a mum just to any old child. Oh no, this is going to be the most important child who has ever walked this earth. Mary was naturally perplexed. She didn't really know what was going on. And she says, how can this be? I've never even been with a man. And then the angel utters these words in verse 37. Nothing will be impossible with God." Right in that moment prophecies given about this child who was to be born 700 years before were unfolding in front of her eyes in that moment god was going to do something that humanity simply couldn't do and today we're going to be looking at a word which theologians call the omnipotence of god which means that god is all-powerful You won't find that word in scripture anywhere, but over 350 times, you will find references to God being mighty or almighty or all powerful. There is nothing which is impossible with God. And church, this is such an important truth for us to grasp right now. As we lurch from one world crisis to the next, from a pandemic to a war, to rising prices all over the place, to droughts, we can look at the world in which we live and we can think what on earth is going on? There is simply no hope. We find ourselves worrying about what might come up next and what it does for us is it robs us of the joy of living right now. And it doesn't take a profit to realize that in a room this size, with this many people in it, there are people here today who are facing personal challenges right now, not knowing how things are going to pan out for them. Whether that's relationship difficulties, whether that's money worries, whether that's job troubles, I don't know what it will be. But I can guarantee there are people here right now facing what seems to be impossible situations for them. And the fact of the matter is, if you live long enough, at some point in your life, you are going to face tough times and trials, times of uncertainty and times of trouble. And what I want us to see together today as we open up God's word together this morning is that our faith no matter how small, no matter how insignificant it might feel at times, can be built up when we look at who God is in such a way that means no matter what we are facing in life, personally or globally, that we can have a hope in the midst of all the tough times and the trials that we might face. And to help us do that, I want to focus very briefly this morning on three answers that a child might give in the midst of impossible situations and circumstances, in the midst of our thoughts and feelings and emotions that we face. You see, when we face impossible times and impossible situations in our life, maybe our instant response at times is, I just can't do anything about this. Whereas a child might look at the situation and say, well, my God can. We read these words in Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and established them by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. In fact, when we open up scripture more widely, what we see on a number of occasions is that God is so powerful. With just a word, the Bible tells us God created the earth. When God's people, Israel, were in slavery, God used Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And how did he do it? By parting the Red Sea. There are so many accounts in the Bible which show the sheer power of God. We look at the life of Jesus and what we see is that he commanded the wind and the waves of a storm to stop with just a word. We see in the life of Jesus that with just a touch, he healed lepers, he cleansed the sick, he raised the dead. And the biggest miracle of all, he hung on a cross, life ebbing away from his body. And he gave up his spirit. His body was placed in a tomb for three days. And then he rose from the dead. And in that moment, he defeated death, paving a way for all the wrong things that we've ever thought, said, and done, which the Bible calls sin, to be forgiven. The God that we're here worshiping together today is a miracle working. God. And you know, there's another account in scripture where Moses is in the desert with God's people, Israel. They're wandering around in the desert. The people that he is leading are vast in number, too many to count. And they're in the desert and they're hungry. They've got nothing to eat. And then God, in his sheer power, rains down bread, literally rains down bread from heaven to satisfy their needs. Except It wasn't enough for them. You see, after days and days of eating bread, the people in this desert, they start to say to themselves, you know what? I'd really love a juicy steak right now. I'd really love some meat right now. Do you remember the good old days when we were back in Egypt? I mean, sure, life was tough. Sure, life was hard. Sure, we had impossible situations to deal with, but at least we had meat to eat. And Moses gets mad at their mumbling and their grumbling. And he went to the Lord and he says, Why have you brought this trouble upon me, your servant? You've brought us out into the wilderness, and these people are only moaning about not having meat to eat. These aren't my children. Where on earth am I going to get this meat from? And God says to Moses... Tell the people to go and consecrate themselves to me. Because I'm going to give them so much meat, it's going to come out of their nostrils. In fact, I'm going to give them meat to eat for a whole month. And Moses is shocked by what God says to him. And he says, where are we going to get this meat from for all of these people? Do you know, God, how many people there are? And God turns to Moses in that moment and he says this. Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true I don't know what you're facing in your life right now I don't know what's going on in your own personal situation and your own personal circumstances I don't know what you are dealing with right now but I believe that there are some people here today or watching online that God says to you today is my arm too short For those who might be facing a financial crisis right now, the Bible tells us that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Is my arm too short? For those who have been praying for loved ones for so long, asking them to come to know Jesus, but it seems like they're getting no closer to accepting Jesus as Lord, the Lord says today, is my arm too short? For those who are maybe facing difficult medical news, And they don't know what the outcome might be in their life because of the things that they're facing. The Lord says today, is my arm too short? You see, often life throws us curveballs. We face multiple knocks and we face multiple disappointments in our life. And it's so easy to forget that God is on the throne. He is in control and he knows what he is doing. And today... The call, once again, for each and every one of us is to see God through the eyes of a child and remember, my God can. Nothing's too big, big, big for his power. That's what we sung together earlier. You see, as we've spoken about before in this series, the beauty of a child's perspective is that often they're so trusting. You tell a child something and they believe it. And with that in mind, a child's perspective of God's power doesn't just stop at, my God can, but it will go further and say, my God will. There's another account in scripture where God's people, Israel, they find themselves at war with a group of people called the Philistines. And in those days, to avoid a lot of bloodshed, what would often happen is that each person, each army would pit their greatest warrior against each other to fight. And the losing warrior in that fight, that particular nation, would then submit themselves to the other nation. And this is what was going on in this time. The Philistines were at war with the Israelites, but there was a problem. The Philistines, they had this warrior called Goliath. He was huge. He was ferocious. He was simply just plain scary. No one wanted to go into battle against Goliath. Day after day, Goliath would come out and he would taunt the people and say, who is going to fight me? And every time he did, the whole army of Israel said, no, not me. But then David arrives, this shepherd boy, and he looks at the situation and he boldly proclaims, who dares to defy the armies?" of the living gods and he says I'll go out and fight because he knew that God could deliver him and he knew and believed that God would deliver him but Saul the king turns to David in verse 33 of 1 Samuel 17 and he says this you're not able to go up against the Philistines to fight for you are but a youth and he has been a man of war since his youth in verse 45 of that particular passage, David stands in front of this monster of a man and he says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. You see, When everyone looked at Goliath, they thought he was too big to beat. But David looked at Goliath and he said, with God, he is too big to miss. You know, for some of us in this room today, we believe that God is awesome. We believe that God can do the impossible. We believe that nothing is too hard for him. But we believe that those truths are for someone else and not for us. We don't really believe it when it comes to our own life today The call is simple, to look again at who God is. See his awesome power and see that he is for you and will move for you. What is the Goliath in your life right now? What is the situation that seems too big to handle? Through the eyes of a child, it begins to look differently. My God can do anything. My God will do anything. Luke, this is an incredibly triumphalist message. I hear you say, you don't know my situation, you don't know my circumstances, you don't know the pain that I am going through right now. I have believed and I have prayed and I have prayed and I have prayed and yet nothing has changed. And you know church, we can't talk about the power of God together without talking about the fact that sometimes... We might pray for something, believing God will move, and then he simply doesn't move in the way that we had hoped. I know that to be the case for myself. I could stand here this morning, and I could give you several stories from my own life where that very much has been the case. Well, I have prayed believing God would move in a certain way and yet he hasn't. I may have told you this story before, so forgive me if I have. But April 25th, 2007 will be a date which is etched on my brain forever. We were living in Preston at the time in Lancashire. I was working for the post office. Gemma, my wife, was studying, finishing her degree. And I was running late for work one morning. I'd become engrossed in something which was on Sky Sports News. And in that moment, my phone rang. And because I was running late for work that morning, I was able to answer my phone. And it was my sister. And she said to me, Luke, mum has collapsed and I can't start her heart. So we jumped in the car that morning and we drove from Lancashire down to Portsmouth where I'm from. And in that that moment, I was texting every single person that I could possibly think of who was a Christian on my phone saying, I really need you to pray right now for my mum. And let me tell you, it never ever in that moment, crossed my mind that this situation wouldn't end well. I fully believed that I was going to turn up that day in Portsmouth and see my mum sitting up in a hospital bed, that I'd talk to her, that I'd hug her, and then we, she'd get better, and we'd move on. But we drove, and we drove, and we hit Birmingham, and as often happens when you hit Birmingham, we hit a lot of traffic. And whilst we were at a standstill on the motorway that day, my phone rang again, and it was my stepdad. Luke, your mum has died. But I prayed. Everyone has prayed. And yet you didn't come through for me, God. Why wouldn't you answer this prayer in this moment in this way? Surely this is the only way that you should have answered this prayer. I want to take you back to the story that we started with at the beginning of a young woman who was told that she was going to be a mother of the saviour of the world. What a privilege, what an honour, which was bestowed on that woman. Yet also, what a hardship which was bestowed on her too. You see, the fact that she was to give birth to Jesus out of wedlock meant that she was going to be a social outcast in her day. The pain that she would have endured because of that. And then watching her son, her beloved son grow up to be handed over to the authorities, to be accused of all kinds of things, to be whipped, to be beaten, to be mocked, to be bruised, to be led away, to be laid bare, have nails driven through his hands and his feet and lifted up for all the world to see. I don't know if you're a parent in this room, but could you imagine the pain that she must have faced in that moment. Even though she believed that God could do anything, when he didn't move as she had hoped he might, it takes a childlike faith to say, even though we've not ended up where I wanna be, I will still believe. You see, the fact that Mary went through the pain that she went through in that moment, ultimately led to a greater freedom than she could ever possibly have imagined. The truth is, sometimes we don't know why God doesn't move in a way that we think he should, and the way that we hoped he would. But from my own experience of disappointment and pain, what I can honestly say is that when I have been at my lowest, God has been at his closest, and he's carried me through every step. Of the way so as we finish this short series together i want to say today whatever you are facing in your life right now choose to face it believing today that god can and god will make a difference in your life and if it doesn't change the situation do know this he knows what he is doing he always has he always will and he is for you the promise of scripture is that in all situations God works for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose let's pray I'm going to invite the band to come back up Father God, I wanna thank you and praise you that you are such an awesome, awesome God. I wanna thank you that nothing is too big for your power. And I wanna thank you, Lord God, that nothing is impossible for you. And as we worship you in song, once again, I wanna pray a blessing over everyone here, for those facing impossible situations, for those facing tough times, for those simply facing times of uncertainty. Lord God, will you move in power in this place now? Holy Spirit, will you draw close to your people? And will you remind us again to look at you with childlike faith and believe that you are in control and on the throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I'm gonna invite you to stand if you're able. And in a moment, I'm gonna hand back over to Zoe to conclude our time together. But I really don't think you can speak about these sort of things today without the church offering to be the church. Because like I said at the beginning, I really believe that it doesn't take a profit to realise that in a room with this many people, there are some people who are struggling right now. And there are some people who are going through a tough time right now and times of uncertainty. And if that's you this morning, oh, I would love us as a church to pray for you and with you. And this morning, if you want to receive prayer for anything that we have talked about today, as the band play this song, I'm just going to invite you just to come and find a space somewhere at the front, just to stand. And as you do, someone will simply come and lay a hand on your shoulder and pray a blessing over you. They're not going to ask you your life story, They're not gonna ask you what the situation is. You can share if you want. But this is a moment just to stand shoulder to shoulder together, where we'll pray to God and say we're here for one another. So right now, church, if you would like to receive prayer for anything that we've discussed, as the band lead us in this song, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise giver, light in the darkness, just come and find a space and someone will simply come, stand with you, Play a hand on your shoulder and pray a blessing over you. Let's sing together church and let's be the church and stand with one another this morning.